Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks for tuning in here for this episode of the show. We are just days away from a new state budget being due in New York with the April 1st start of the new state fiscal year fast approaching. There's a lot being negotiated among the powers that be and a big push being made by many other stakeholders in the process who want to see certain funding and policy outcomes in the final deal struck between Governor Kathy Hochul and the two houses of the state legislature. Hochul, a Democrat, is negotiating her first budget as governor. It could be her only budget if she's not successful in this year's election. We might get to a little bit of that later on in the show here today. And she's negotiating with two Democratic supermajorities in the state Senate and Assembly, led by Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins and Speaker Carl Hastie, respectively. They're figuring out together what will be somewhere in the neighborhood of a $220 billion state budget. Yes, $220 billion. And a to-be-determined number of major and minor policy decisions, which often have a way of working themselves into a final state budget deal in Albany. And that final state budget deal in Albany is often passed by the legislature in the wee hours of the morning on or around April 1st, often with final language that not even the legislators approving the deal have read. Uh, So the importance of the state budget cannot be overstated, whether it's first and foremost in regard to how it impacts New Yorkers with policy, with spending, as well as how different local governments like New York cities are affected. And of course, there's also the political landscape. Again, it's an election year for statewide elected officials and every seat in the state legislature. So there's a whole bunch of important funding and policy issues on the table here in the final days before the budgets due, as well as very interesting and important political dynamics. And that's what we're diving into here today. And I have two great guests on the show in just a minute. We'll be breaking down New York state budget negotiations ahead of the fiscal year 2022-2023 budget that's due April 1st with Susan Arbetter, a political anchor for Spectrum News and the host of Capital Tonight in Albany, and Luis Ferre Sidorni, the Albany bureau chief for the New York Times, a new role for Luis, and we congratulate him on that. So I'll bring those great guests on in just a moment. First, very quickly, if you uh, haven't seen some of our recent reporting at Gotham Gazette, find it at GothamGazette.com. We've been covering lots of happenings in New York City and state government and politics. And here on Max Politics, if you missed any of our recent episodes, you can find them all wherever you get podcasts or at the Gotham Gazette website. We post them all there as well. I've had a wide range of uh, conversations with interesting guests about important topics, including some really interesting public health related conversations with outgoing New York City Health Commissioner, Dr. Dave Chokshi, and a number of other great guests. You can find those all again at Max Politics, wherever you get podcasts or the Gotham Gazette website. All right, today's show, we're talking about what will roughly be a $220 billion New York State budget due for the April 1 start of the new fiscal year. We're talking here, important context, because things change quickly. We're talking here on Wednesday, March 23rd. Uh, Perfect timing for this conversation with just over a week to go before the budget's due. And I'm joined by two perfect guests for the occasion. Susan Arbetter, political anchor at Spectrum News and host of Capital Tonight in Albany. Susan, thanks for being here. Great to be here, Ben. And Luis Ferre-Sidorni, the Albany Bureau Chief for the New York Times. Luis, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So this budget will be uh, in the neighborhood of $220 billion. Governor Hochul's executive budget released in January was about $216 billion. A lot of the state budget is 
more or less set with the huge chunks of money that go towards education aid to localities, Medicaid spending, running state government. But there's always many, many pieces that are being negotiated and debated. And then there's also policy. So uh, let's start off just generally with the finances here in sort of a miraculous, uh, in some ways, turn of events. And, and people might take issue with that because there are a lot of government decisions that made it so. But in, in something of a miraculous turn of events here coming out of the pandemic, we hope, um, New York is, is fairly flush with cash here. Luis, you, you wrote about this recently. Just broadly speaking, the fiscal picture here for New York State is is incredibly good. <laughs> Uh, indeed, you know, Kathy Hochul lucked out with this fiscal scenario she sort of inherited um, after taking office. The state received a windfall of federal money during the pandemic, um, about $23 billion over four years. Um, there were obviously dire warnings of fiscal doom during the pandemic and how it would affect tax revenues and tax receipts. But those have also performed better than expected. So the state lucked out there as well. And it's also received uh, some extra cushion from uh, revenues from increasing personal income taxes on the rich uh, last year. So all in all, Kathy Hochul, when she unveiled her executive budget in January, she had a lot of money to work with. Uh, and a lot of money to figure out how to spend or save or allocate to all sorts of uh, different priorities, which obviously um, can become a headache for the governor because then she'll, she'll, she was expecting and, and did receive a lot of different opinions about how to spend that money. And, and we saw that in the, in the legislative proposals uh, this month. That's right. And, and Susan, um, the, the, the two houses of the state legislature, the Democratic supermajorities, they put forward their one house budget resolutions. Those are not binding documents, but they lay out the priorities. And, and the two houses of the legislature want to take spending even further. Um, what do you make of sort of what we learned, generally speaking, about the spending picture here from the governor's executive budget to these to these one house legislative proposals? How are you thinking about you know, sort of the state uh, spending picture and the fiscal picture. So, Ben, the, the dynamics here are really changed. Uh, so with the exception of Robert Mujica, the budget director, uh, the hopeful negotiating team is pretty green. Um, and uh, the legislature, which has endured 10 years of being belittled, marginalized and out strategized by former Governor Andrew Cuomo, is sort of done allowing the executive to dictate the terms of budget negotiating. So you see this in, for example, Speaker Carl Hastie's unwillingness to add policy to the budget. I mean, he will likely do so eventually, mm. but he's sort of taking a short term stand. Also, um, from what I hear, both legislative leaders were very surprised by Hopel's 10 point plan to reform the bail reform. Um, and they only found out about it the night before it was leaked to uh, the New York Post. Um, and, you know, I think that the there's still a lot of hope among lawmakers, you know, by every measure that one can measure sort of respectfulness 
in a budget negotiation, things are very, very good compared to what they were under Cuomo, who would leverage anything. I mean, he would give nothing away, not even like the small um, hike in sales taxes for counties. But we are seeing Hochul give away leverage to people like Mayor Adams, for example, by offering him four years of mayoral control. So the legislature seems to be in the catbird seat right now. They didn't include in their one house budgets things like mayoral control of New York City schools, alcohol to go or Jacob reform. These are things that Kathy Hochul wants to see in her budget. And they put some other things in that uh, she didn't put in. So Mm. uh, we're in for a negotiation, but it's going to be different than it used to be. Yeah, and we'll get into a bunch of those specifics in a second. But but Susan, say a little bit more what what you're observing. You know, from what I can tell, um, you know, the, Governor Kathy Hochul promised a new era of uh, collegiality, and she's mostly followed through on that. You know, to a significant degree. But there's still ways in which there's obviously tension between the executive and the legislative branches. There's clearly some tension between Mayor Eric Adams and the the legislature over the criminal justice reforms and the governor mostly siding now with the mayor, which which ratchets up the tension a little bit. Um, But to what degree, and and I wanna get your perspective on this too, Luis, is to what degree is it sort of a new day and to what degree is the Albany budget process still kind of same old, same old? Well, I do think it's a new day in that um, the legislature feels that it's in the driver's seat where they have not been in the driver's seat under Andrew Cuomo, who I I said leveraged everything um, from like the dust kitty under the negotiating table. He was just a force to be reckoned with. We're not sure yet how Governor Hochul's sort of strategy works right now. But one thing she has said over the last week that is a little concerning is that she doesn't negotiate in public. Now, I can see why she would want to do that to stay on the good side of the legislature. But there was an article in Politico today that I thought was really interesting. Um, Basically, her political opponents are able to sort of paint what her picture is without with with her sort of leaving a vacuum. Other people are filling in and painting what her positions are on certain things rather than giving her the opportunity to to do that. She's got the governor's bully pulpit. Why doesn't she use it? Um, So I think she's making a a strategic misstep there um, and others do as well. But, you know, for the for the most part, um, the legislature, I think, is feeling very relieved that Andrew Cuomo is not um, the one that they have to deal with right now. Yeah, that, that feeling seems to be pretty widespread in New York politics, of course. Plenty of discussion and coverage, <laughs> coverage of that. Um, yeah, I mean, this this whole thing about not negotiating in public, you know, rings fairly hollow to me. Uh, I, I And I know others because the governor put out a massive agenda in her state of the state and her executive budget. Uh, detailing all the nitty gritty of back and forth negotiations is one thing that most elected officials are loath to do that. And understandably, you know, you're negotiating, you know, the, 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 the details of complex policy and budget matters, although transparency on all of that is, is nice. Um, but this is about just making her positions clear to the public on things like criminal justice reform. This is not negotiating in public. And there, there's a big difference there. And, and as you say, it could be a strategic mistake in terms of letting others sort of define her. Uh, Luis, the other thing I'll add, Luis, and then jump in is is just yeah. that. You know, the more things change in some ways, for sure, they also seem to be pretty similar in that 
there is very limited transparency about what's really being uh, negotiated behind the scenes by what, again, is now two women and one man, one man in a room, no longer three men in a room. That's progress. But, um, you know, they're still negotiating and not really letting the public in very much on what what's really being negotiated here with a week or so to go. Absolutely. I think there's a, a big difference between negotiating in public and answering questions about your stance and what are supposed to be public policy issues and, and important ones at that. And I think that's something we've seen since the beginning of the Hochul administration and very divisive issues. She's remained vague on her stance on things that she know she knows she could get politically attacked for from the left and the right, such as good cause eviction, for example. Um, and that 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 used to be the case with bail, right? We didn't know her stance on bill reform for months. And she had said that she would look at the numbers, that she would discuss it with legislative leaders. All of a sudden, we have a very detailed memo uh, internal uh, with various positions from her administration and what she would like to see changed and tweaked. And it is something that many expect her to be able to defend in public and answer basic questions about how she arrived to those conclusions. Um, And so, you know, going into these negotiations, I think most lawmakers said and expected that it would be a more collaborative and cooperative approach, as Susan mentioned, compared to the Cuomo years. And I think that has largely still been the case that everyone expected to be there to be a relatively smooth budget process, obviously, with some differences on spending. Um, But I think the introduction of of the bail reform debate has thrown all this into a flux. And I don't know that a lot of people really know how this is all gonna end with with sort of the introduction of the bail reform debate in the last two weeks of of negotiations. Um, And And I think, yeah, go ahead. No, let me also add, you know, this, the the governor's, um, these are this criminal justice reform plan that is this internal document, has even more than than bail reform. It's got yeah. tweaks mm-hmm. to the raise the age law that Mayor Adams wanted to see. It has a variety of other things. Um, so this is not even just sort of changes to the bail law, which is obviously the most high high profile thing. Um, so so we maybe we'll, we'll have a chance to come back to the criminal justice reforms. Folks can read up on the details uh, as reported by all our outlets. And again, first the, that memo re- reported by the post. Um, there's there's plenty of opportunity to sort of read the details, more or less the governor siding with Mayor Adams and, and some other sort of more moderate conservative Democrats and Republicans who want to see changes to the bail law to allow judges to hold more people pre-trial to assess dangerousness in certain ways and, and some some changes there. Um, let's let's put that aside for a moment and dig into some of the big ticket items that are being negotiated in terms of the spending plan. Um, We'll get into a bunch of stuff, but what's one thing for each of you that you're most intrigued by here? What's one important topic in the state budget that's being negotiated that you want to highlight for people that you're really intrigued by following closely? Susan, what's, what's one thing that's really got your eye here in these final negotiations? 
so I'm really watching childcare. It's a huge issue. Um, Hochul wanted to invest $1.4 billion in her executive budget. Now, remember, she was the co-chair of Cuomo's Child Care Availability Task Force. So when lawmakers like Senator Jabari Brisport, Senator Jessica Ramos were coming up with um, universal child care bills on their own, they really thought that they were going to have an ally in the executive mansion. So they were very disappointed with the $1.4 billion investment that that Hochul chose to make. Both houses are adding significantly to that number. Um, The Senate, it's unclear if the Senate wants to add $2.2 billion to the $1.4 billion, or if it wants to add $4 billion. It's, yeah. it, 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 depending on who you talk to, it's, okay. it's all very it's sort of flux, but it's more, okay? The mm. Assembly wants to add $3 billion. Advocates want $5 billion, and this would be uh, been an annual expenditure. I mean, this is a $5 billion basically sea change in how New York deals with universal child care. And that um, investment would only increase as time goes on. When you when you realize that, you know, a lot of the money that we're talking about in this budget um, has uh, is one is one shot, basically, you know, it's federal covid aid um, that is concerning to some budget watchdogs like the, the Citizens Budget Commission. Um, but, you know, again, advocates are saying this is the moment that um, Sheila Poole, who is the OCFS commissioner, told me that, you know, child care is the super highway to economic recovery. And with 1,200 child care operators closed permanently during COVID, we're seeing a huge crisis in child care deserts all over the state. And so uh, th- this is something that that lawmakers really believe in. So I'm watching yeah. this pretty closely. Yeah, no, it absolutely seems to be one of the, if not the marquee item. Obviously, yeah. the criminal justice reforms are taking up a lot of oxygen for for various due and undue reasons. But um, but the but 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 childcare really seems to be a top priority for the governor and the two houses. And the the question will be where do they land on the on the funding? And and that funding, of course, relates to. Uh, subsidizing child care, who gets child care subsidies, and, and as you say, how many operators are able to open, reopen, stay open, open for longer hours, and, and so forth. Um, Luis, what, what's, uh, Susan might have stolen yours, but what's, uh, what's, what's, yours, Luis? <laughs> what's one thing no. you're watching closely here? Um, the one thing I'm watching closely is a thing that hasn't even showed up in budget documents Ooh. yet. And that is the negotiations over the Buffalo Bills stadium. Um, the New York State, you know, the governor, Erie County, and the Buffalo Bills have been negotiating uh, a new stadium for the Bills uh, over the past few months. The current stadium is old, uh, and it, there's some sort of consensus that a new one has to be built. Um, reports say that the deal could amount to about a billion dollars in in taxpayer money but the fact of the matter is we don't know the details of the deal yet the legislature has been left out in the dark um, so far Um, a deal could be announced soon and and the governor has hinted that it, it it would be before april 1st which is when the budget is due and it's when she would have to present um, the, the money she's requesting for the new stadium uh, to two legislators. And 
I have a gut feeling that whatever the final price tag is, it's gonna likely spark outcry uh, from some lawmakers, maybe downstate lawmakers, not as familiar with Buffalo or the bills, uh, who are gonna say, you know, this is a corporate uh, giveaway to uh, uh, an already wealthy family, uh, the Pagulas and, and Buffalo to build this new stadiums of theirs. Um, obviously, there are, you know, New York has a long history of a spotty record of economic development projects. Um, publicly funding funded stadiums is uh, not new in the U.S. And there's also controversy around whether government should be in the business of publicly funding them and what sort of economic impact they actually have. But then there's also the, you know, less tangible uh, value that the Buffalo Bills have for many New Yorkers in, in, in upstate New York, certainly in Western New York, and sort of the team being part of the social fabric um, of this state. And so this is actually one of Kathy Hochul's top priorities. She's from Buffalo. She's a proud Buffalo uh, Bills fan. She does not want to go down as the governor who let <laughs> walk away. Right. Um, so when when the details of this deal become clear, when it's announced, um, and it's it's likely to spark a big fight in 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 the legislature, and and it's actually you know something that the legislature legislature can use to leverage other concessions from from the governor. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And Susan, I don't know if you want to jump in on on this issue, but you know, this is another thing where talk about process, talk about transparency, talk about the governor's promises right. for sort of a new day in Albany. Listen, one hundred percent. You know, you give Governor Hochul credit for uh, for being more collegial, as we talked about, than Governor Cuomo was. You you know, a, a sort of new day and collaboration and so forth. All good. Certain aspects of more transparency. But on some of these things, like the criminal justice reforms, like this Buffalo Bills uh, stadium deal, and even just, as I was saying before, sort of basic transparency about, you know, what's being negotiated in the final days, still kind of lacking here. Um, and, and I'm really interested, as you got at Luis, as to when when this deal will become public. Is it going to become public hours before the legislature is supposed to vote on the budget uh, or days at least? You know, uh, there should be ideally a public hearing on this, perhaps, uh, Susan. Any thoughts on the on the bills situation? Yeah, of course, of course, there should be a public hearing, and I know that members of the Erie County Legislature are, you know, also very interested in what's what's happening. What I think is interesting is that Hochul has came out right away and said that she was for keeping the Buffalo Bills in in New York. So, you know, that's that's a a hard line that she has drawn in the sand. She's drawn no lines in the sand when it comes to bail. I mean, we saw her 10-point plan, but she's not talking about those in public where she is talking about the bills in public. So um, that, I, I just think it's interesting, that sort of juxtaposition. I was also hoping to, to add one other issue, Please. if you don't mind, Ben, this is real quick. Um, the, the opioid, you remember last year, um, AG James was integral in ensuring there was this opioid lockbox so that um, the then Cuomo administration wasn't able to take the opioid settlement funds and, and, and sort of siphon them away and put them in the general fund. Well, this year, um, the 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 governor put two hundred and sixty five million dollars in the budget for opioid remediation from those settlement funds. But 
the opioid advisory board, the settlement board that that makes the determination for how that money is to be spent has not been convened. And so, uh, you know, uh, people who are watching this are very concerned that the money is going to be in the budget on April 1st, and there's not going to be any idea, any way to spend it. And it, again, it could just be frittered away in the general fund rather than going to opioid remediation. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good one to raise. I want to uh, just basically go around and 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 sort of list some of the other big ticket items. We're, we don't have time to discuss all of them in detail like we just did with some of those, but there are so many others. Let me just first say a couple of things I'm watching most closely. Uh, absolutely, the the childcare question uh, is is as I said, you know, fairly top of mind for for lots of folks. Um, the earned income tax credit uh, money, the governor didn't have in her budget for increasing the state's uh, earned income tax credit. This is something, especially here in New York City, watching closely because it's something Mayor Adams has been talking about a lot, about asking the state to increase its uh, share of the earned income tax credit, which can really boost lower income families' uh, bottom lines. And on the childcare front also, allowing the, uh, the the mayor had asked the state to pass some uh, tax breaks, some subsidies for encouraging businesses to offer childcare or converting space. And uh, I haven't heard a lot about that since the mayor floated that in his testimony before the legislature, but it would be interesting if in the childcare picture, there's anything that he asked for there beyond the expanded funding and eligibility and the earned income tax credit. And then the other one I'll throw out there and then let's just go around and name a few other things we're watching here that are that are uh, marquee items. But the uh, the potential for massive investment in the CUNY and SUNY higher education systems looks like it's going to happen to some degree. Again, there's just like with childcare and a number of these other issues, it's a debate over how much uh, and what exactly it's for. Uh, but but there seems to be a lot of political will for a, a very big increase in the investments in CUNY and SUNY. So those are those are pretty important things that I'm watching. Uh, Luis, what's what's one or two other things without getting into all the details that that are really important for New Yorkers to know as we follow these final negotiations? Sure. I mean, what was interesting about the one house budgets is that, you know, they mostly aligned in principle with some of the stuff that uh, Governor Hoko wants to get done, but are also, you know, they're also trying to push her on increasing um, the spending on some of those programs and even adding some things that the governor didn't necessarily embrace in her executive proposal. So, you know, you have both houses support getting behind expanding healthcare coverage for undocumented immigrants. Um, you, you saw both houses get behind increasing wages for um, home care workers. Um, and then, they even pushed back or tweaked um, some of the governor's own proposals. Uh, governor Hochul, during her budget presentation, made a big deal out of wanting to give healthcare workers uh, bonuses of up to $3,000. We saw the assembly come back and say they actually want to reallocate that money to pay for recurring wages, re- recurring wage increases for. Uh, for state healthcare workers, um, so it'll be interesting to see how they hash out some of these details. And another one where we saw um, some overlap, some some common you know ground, um, yet a little bit some differences on on how to get there are casino licenses. Right, um, the governor wants to accelerate 
the issuance of three licenses uh, this year. Uh, those three licenses are likely to be downstate, even though that's not set in the statute. Um, the Senate largely embraced um, uh, Hochul's uh, proposal, yet said that you know they put a price tag on each one of these licenses, which will be highly coveted and highly competitive. And they said that the state should charge a minimum of $1 billion for, for each one. So we'll see if that ends up making it into the final budget negotiations. And, and also, you know, the assembly was mum on that. So we'll see how they, mm-hmm. how they get in on that. All right, Susan, a few other things to throw out there for, for listeners that, uh, that are important sort of big, big sure. ticket, or even under the radar things. So this is, I guess, sort of under under the radar. This was not in the executive budget, but both houses are looking to help New Yorkers with utility debts mm. to the tune of four hundred or five hundred million dollars. I guess there's more people in arrears to you know the Con Eds and the Niagara Mohawks of the world than than ever, um, built by billions of dollars. Um, they're also the governor and lawmakers are looking at how to address high gas prices. I don't know if they've come to any sort of agreement, but as of yesterday, they were looking at some sort of gas rebate. If that comes to fruition, then not only will um, those of us who pay property taxes in New York get a big fat check um, right before the election um, in sort of an election year gambit, but um, we'll also be getting some sort of gas rebate. Um, And finally, uh, the governor, in order to address climate change and reach the the goals of the CLCPA, which is the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, the governor wants to ban gas hookups by 2027. The legislature wants to do it a little bit sooner. Yes, new new gas hookups. New York City passed a, a big law yeah. on that, and there's a question if the state will follow through uh, follow suit. Yeah, that, I'm glad you mentioned that one. That's a that's a big policy item, um, which might need some some funding as well. I haven't looked that closely at, at how much state funding might be a play for things like helping, uh, you know, accelerate that and and the the um, you know cl- more clean electricity yeah. that would be needed. But that's a very interesting one. And tying into that is is the question around how big this environmental bond act will be that oh, will sure. go before voters this fall. Uh, there's questions around going to be big, bigger or biggest. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and room for a lot of uh, scrutiny on, you know, the state asking voters to approve a multi-billion dollar could be up to six, seven billion dollar bond act um, to help. Uh, pay for uh, the transition to clean energy and and other issues related to the environment and climate. Um, two other big issues I'll add, and, and then we and and then if there's anything else either of you want to throw in that we didn't get to before we talk a little politics and and say goodbye. Um, a couple other things I'll mention is the there seems to be at least some legislative push for putting a whole bunch of state money into emergency rental aid to sort of replenish that program. The governor has been asking for federal help on that. Uh, there's been a little bit of federal money that's come through. Um, that's That one seems like it'll be very interesting to see what that pot of money, if any, of state funding for emergency rental assistance that goes to help both renters and landlords, of course, uh, in that program. And then again, the debate over uh, replenishing to some degree the excluded workers fund uh, for help for mostly undocumented New Yorkers who are ineligible for, for especially for federal aid during the pandemic. That's another debate happening where the governor didn't have money for that in her budget, but the legislature seems interested there. And then lastly, let me mention right now, 
Susan, you mentioned this mayoral control of New York City schools. Uh, the governor put in a four-year extension, as you said, a big sort of olive branch to Mayor Adams to, to basically say, I want right. to give you mayoral control of schools for your whole term, first term or term, depending on how he does in the next election. Um, and then absolutely fascinating to me that both houses of the legislature took that out of their resolutions. To me, that was a very big sort of shot across the bow of the mayor about the, his push on the criminal justice reforms and the legislature sort of saying, uh, you know, what, no. what, watch where you're sort of encroaching here because you're 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 picking fights that we don't want to have. Um, any comment on any of that from either of yeah. you? Or anything you want to add to the to our growing list here? Because there's a lot of other things we won't get to at all. And obviously, folks should read up on all the budget negotiations happening. But uh, jump in, Susan. Go ahead. Yeah, just uh, it's all about leverage. Um, and also, I don't think that Adams made many friends in the legislature, um, either with his um, ideas about bail reform or the idea that he wants to raise the cap on charter schools. I mean, there are a lot of lawmakers who are very close to the teachers unions who just don't like that kind of stuff. That's right. Luis, anything? Uh, I, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it's been very interesting to see. You know, this is Kathy Hochul's first budget. Uh, as she's running for governor, this is one of the best opportunities she has to point to consequential policy outcomes, right, that she can point to uh, in, in her run in, in the primary and then potentially in, in a general. And it's been interesting to see how the legislature has been sort of making her work for a lot of the things she wants. And, you know, you mentioned mayoral control or and, and even something as um, it's relatively simple for some people and popular as like to-go drinks, right? Ah, I was wondering <laughs> if somebody was going to mention the to-go drinks. <laughs> to-go drinks, I think, is a fascinating policy issue because yes. it, it just it just has so many of um, of the quintessential trappings of of Albany politics wrapped into into such a digestible and understandable <laughs> policy issue for New Yorkers. Um, and, and we saw, we didn't see to-go drinks in the Senate or, or assembly proposals, and that could very much be a negotiating tactic. You know, Hochul made a big fuss out of it in, in her in her uh, state of the state and her budget proposal. She even went to uh, a Brooklyn brewery to push for to-go drinks a few weeks back. I think they, they saw her uh, heavily investing in this and maybe holding back as a way to get her to concede on certain other areas. And then if I may, you mentioned the excluded workers fund, um, that could very well be an uphill battle at this point. We didn't see the legislator, um, the houses, um, embrace it in their, in their resolutions, which, and, and Hochul certainly didn't, which often means that uh, you know, that might be left out. Obviously, they have been some of the loudest activists. We've seen them in Albany again and again. Um, and and Michael Janaris, the deputy majority leader in, in the state Senate, said yesterday that, uh, you know, there are other ways in which their their proposals are targeted at helping uh, that community, right, of undocumented immigrants mm -hmm. and uh, expanding healthcare coverage is, is one example. So right. uh, it, it seems like health, um, ex the excluder workers fund, uh, could be, could be a tough one to get over the finish line. And, and forgive me if I said the legislature, uh, the two houses had money in their budgets. They didn't, as you just said, I think, I think what I meant to say is there's legislators pushing for that. And if I, yeah. if I misstated right. that, thank you for clarifying for me. Um, you know, let me also add to our list here because there's so many important topics. I, I also want to mention on the criminal justice side, 
there seems to be broad agreement on this uh, clean slate legislation that would clear uh, people's records if they have, you know, finished their sentences and, and their probation and so forth, um, which could be, you know, another significant criminal justice reform uh, sort of uh, in the in the bucket that reformers want to see, as opposed to, you know, this debate over some of the sort of rollbacks of things that have previously been passed. And then um, there, there's there's debates over uh the gas tax uh, holiday, uh, what to do about certain middle class tax cuts. You know, these are all fiscal policies that will be very interesting. There's economic de- development spending money and, and questions about what, what that should look like. The Buffalo Bills Stadium, you know, sort of part of that larger discussion. Um, and then uh, a, a, a variety of other things. The only other one I want to mention, though, is this there is a d- discussion around uh, a new state. A homelessness prevention voucher program, which could be, you know, really interesting if it if it passes uh, in the in the state budget. It doesn't. I can't quite tell exactly how much momentum that has, but that would be, uh, you know, sort of hearkening back to when New York was really making progress on homelessness um, well over a decade ago now, when you know there were there were these uh, multiple voucher programs. The New York City has implemented its own under Mayor Bill de Blasio. Uh, this, this is the Kavanaugh bill? Yes, yes. $250 exactly. million for a housing voucher program. Exactly. It's like a section eight for New York. Exactly, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that one. And then I guess I, I lied, I'll add one more. All <laughs> sorts of debate around uh, mental health and mental illness related policy. That's obviously coming to a fore as we've seen these awful uh, killings of people in New York City. Uh, other incidents, questions around, you know, just people who need help or not violent. Uh, but um, but that's obviously also being debated uh, as well. All right. We could keep going on. Uh, let's let's uh, just talk politics for one last thought from each of you. Uh, as you think about this budget in the political season we're in with the elections coming up, we've touched on this a little bit. The primary is in June, general election in the fall. You know, I go back and forth sometimes about, especially for Governor Hochul, also true for some of the, um, you know, more moderate to conservative Democrats in the legislature. There's obviously state senators who are concerned about losing their seats, Um, you know, whether it's whether it's more beneficial for Governor Hochul politically to sort of appease the left a bit more and sort of undercut, let's say, Jamani Williams's primary against her, or if it's better to go towards the middle, which undercuts uh, Tom Swazi's challenge to her from the right, and then also positions her, you know, better for a general election. Uh, but she'll also need the left in a general election to sort of help her uh, there if she makes it through the primary. So, uh, whether it's on what I just said or, or other things, uh, a final thought on sort of the political season relative to the budget, Susan, um, and how you're sort of putting the budget negotiations and deal in the political context here. Well, I guess I'm just sort of pulling at different threads, but um, I think it depends. Uh, what happens in the primary is going to be very dependent on whether or not um, former Governor Andrew Cuomo decides to throw his hat in the ring. And I think we're all hearing rumblings that he is going to um, enter the race. I think it's interesting that uh, we've also heard that he may have some support from people like Mayor Adams. Um, like, what does that say to a Governor Hochul who has pretty much given Adams, everything that he wants from Albany at this point. Um, I I think that she would have to really uh, push hard to get 
her bail stuff through this legislature. And if it doesn't, because they have they are intransigent on these issues, um, she's going to have to do a lot of tap dancing between budget and primary time when she's going to be debating a Tom Swazi and perhaps an Andrew Cuomo. Mm, interesting. Oh, so much to potentially discuss there, but not this uh, episode, Luis. A final thought on the on the politics. Yeah, um, I mean, I think one of the most obvious signals that this is an election year uh, budget is that there are no new taxes. Something uh, some top Democrats have been eager to uh, push out. Um, but I think again, going back to Susan's point, uh, bail reform will be very interesting. I think. Um, there's no coincidence as to why we're seeing the governor potentially push for reforms. It seems like she is concerned about uh, a potential general elections and how Republicans will fare there. It'll be interesting to see how much moderate Democratic lawmakers from Long Island and elsewhere get on board with some of the changes she's pushing for um, if they're also concerned about uh, November. And then, you know, this could become a three-way race if Andrew Cuomo runs. Uh, Maybe he runs as an independent. We don't know any of this for sure. It's speculative. But he has been testing out what seems to be a sort of stump speech. And he, you know, went very aggressively at uh, bail reform uh, a few weeks back at a a church in the Bronx. Um, so it'll, you know, this, this is definitely the biggest campaign issue, which Republicans are doubling on, on. And so we'll see how, how, I, I guess two things is how hard governor Hochul pushes for, uh, the tweaks to bill reform in, in the budget, which is frankly her best shot to do it. And two, how much support she has within the legislature, right. For, for, for any, for any changes. So that remains to be seen over the next uh, week and a half. Well said. I think, um, you know, as uh, former Governor Cuomo, while uh, presenting some inaccuracies on a variety of fronts in his public appearances, uh, one thing uh, of a few that he said that that's definitely correct is that the governor, obviously, as you just said, has a lot of leverage um, in the budget compared to the rest of the legislative session, which will occur in April, May and June, uh, leading right up to to when the primaries occur in June. Uh, so that so many of the things we talked about here that are more policy issues could potentially be dealt with after the budget. And we've we've seen years past that some things often get done in that other stretch of the of the Albany calendar. But the, the budget deal is where a lot of stuff often comes together. Uh, Susan, I think it was you who mentioned early in the show this this idea that the legislature didn't isn't seemingly taking up uh, ethics reforms that the governor put forward. This was obviously coming out of the Cuomo scandals, uh, you know, such a big focus. And it'll be very interesting to see if they do anything on ethics reform, especially an overhaul of of JCOPE, the Joint Commission on Public Ethics uh, in the budget. Yeah, it was not in uh, JCOPE, not in the budget at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so that that's that's something of particular interest. Uh, again, uh, how how quickly interest in some of these things that relate to to lawmakers and their own uh, dealings uh, c- come out of the discussion. Um, anyhow, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you both uh, so much for the time. Uh, really appreciate it. I've been speaking here with Susan Arbetter, political anchor for Spectrum News and the host of Capital Tonight in Albany, and Luis Ferre Sidorni, the Albany bureau chief for the New York Times. Thank you both very much. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.